Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic, where we get to know the people behind the creative industries. We're your hosts, music web designer Ross Barbersmith, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Marcin Novelli, featuring a lovely cold today. So we'll get through that, I'm sure. Uh, we're excited to tell you about our first batch of shirts that have arrived and are available to purchase on our website. There's a link in it, our show notes to get them. Uh, use the coupon BTA Rocks to receive 10% off your purchase. As our little way of saying thank you. Joining us this week is mastering engineer Chris Athens out of Austin, Texas. You've most likely heard his work as he's worked on some of the biggest records out there, including artists such as Drake, Coldplay, some of our favorites, Paris, Ben Folds, and Wiz Khalifa. Chris was a senior mastering engineer at Sterling Sound, one of the world's premier mastering facilities, before branching out on his own to start Chris Athens Masters. We're really excited to talk about his work and to find out how artists and producers can best prepare their mixes for mastering. Hey, Chris. Howdy. Hey, I mean, how are I mean, you doing? I'm doing good. Caffeine deprived, but good. Yeah, we found out before the interview. Uh, do you want to share the, the sad news with everyone? Yes, I quit. Me, of all people, quit drinking coffee two days ago. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I've been on lithium for a while. It's, it's pretty bad. My brain is pretty much shut down. So if I just stare at the screen for a while, forgive me. <laughs> well, we're, we're here to help you get through the hard times. Yeah, um, me through it, true. boys. This is true. Well, let, let's <laughs> But we are going to have to do something uh, that is probably going to put your brain to the limit, and I'm going to let Marcio, <laughs> you know, do this. Okay, Chris, tell us three things about yourself that everyone should know. Ah, uh, three things about... Uh, well, I've been trying to lose the same 25 pounds for about 35 years now. That's one thing. <laughs> The, uh, the studio diet is not the best, that's for sure. I'm trying to figure it out, though. Uh, the others, other two things might be uh, I'm obviously totally addicted to coffee and caffeine, and uh, so I'm hurting today. But uh, what would the third thing be? I have the most beautiful kids in the world, and I can prove it. Nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've got pictures of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not same dad. Like, look, look, look at them. <laughs> and they they look like me too, which is like some weird twist of fate. How they look like me, but they're beautiful. My I, know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> um, well, that's great. I am. I'd really like to hear a little bit about your own journey. I, I've been listening to a couple of podcast interviews that you did earlier today. Um, I really love to hear a bit more about your journey, like how you learned that you wanted to be a mastering engineer and, and kind of how it came about, because I know that you didn't start off doing that. No. It kind of was a bit more of a gradual thing. And also if you can maybe share if there's been one particular highlight of your career so far. 
I mean, it was kind of a, the beginning of my career was sort of serendipitous. I, I, to be honest, like a lot of things in my life, when I first started, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't even know what it was when I got, a, a, originally got a job at Sony. That was my first legitimate job in the business. And by legitimate, I mean getting paid. And uh, b before Sony, I had spent years fooling around with recording gear and, and uh, with instruments and recording music. And I, I, didn't, I never really loved playing live, but I loved recording. So I did a lot of it, but I couldn't figure out a way to make money at it or make it be my living. And uh, one day through a series of events, I, I got an interview with Sony Music Studios and uh, I managed to land a job there. Uh, that even that was weird. Uh, uh, initially, I was offered the position of manager of the library, and I turned it down because uh, I thought I don't want to do that. You know, I want to be a famous, rich mix engineer, and uh, so I, I I turned it down and went back to my day job managing a music store. And you know, I heard the opening notes to enter this enter sandman uh a one too many times and and nearly blew a fuse and uh, i called the guy back who offered me the job and said yeah i'll, I'll take anything you got and uh, he had already filled that position so it took another eight months uh of constant calling and pleading my case to uh finally get uh the the timing right where there was an opening so they hired me and then it took me about three and a half years to get out of the library. Um, I, it was uh, a good job, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the technical department. Nobody had ever gone from the library to engineering. Apparently, I was in the wrong department. So I just determined that I was going to be the first guy out of the library and work my way into mastering. And my first gig was a very glamorous one. I was doing tape copy on the night shift. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. I, I think the, the first part of my career was really typified by my ambition. Like, I, I, I think coming to the job that I wanted really late in life, I didn't become an engineer until I was 30. Um, I got the job in the library when I was 27 or so. Um, I, I came to it so late that I looked around me and I saw, you know, all of these other people working as engineers who had about who were about my age and and had 10 years experience. And I always kind of felt like I was working from a deficit, working from behind. And um, that kind of pushed me. Uh, um, I worked extremely hard and always said yes to everything which was sort of an instinct. I, I, I felt like, you know, like I had to work like my hair was on fire and apparently it was on fire because it's all <laughs> gone now. But the, 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 so I, I just said yes to everything. And I, I got really lucky with a couple of people who were working at Sony. Sony was a very big, very big studio. And I had a lot of things going on and I made some friends in the, uh, who were engineers and assistant engineers and and a couple of them asked me if i would do their master their records <clears throat> it didn't bother them that they, i didn't have a discography or anything and and because uh, i would do it for free and so i did those records for free and those led to other gigs that were actually paying gigs they the 
these guys would introduce me to their clients and vouch for me, um, which was huge. And uh, eventually I got my foot in the door. Um, again, got lucky. Right place at the right time. I was one of the few people doing new release work um, at Sony instead of just uh, reissue. And, and one of the things that happened was that uh, Vlado Meller, who was doing most of the really big stuff at Sony at the time that was new release, he had a client that he didn't feel like working with because they didn't have enough money for him. And, and uh, he couldn't be bothered, really, because it was just singles and, and really nothing. And he just said, you want them? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And uh, that turned out to be Raucous Records, which is a, sort of a famous conscious backpack style hip hop uh, label that eventually uh, spawned artists like Most Def and Talib Kweli and Farah Manch and people like that. And I did all those records. I started doing their records when the president of the company was delivering the tapes himself. And um, one thing led to another. My reputation grew a little bit and people started calling. And that's really the, that was really the beginning. Um, the next step was just taking a chance. Uh, things were looking good at Sony, albeit progressing slowly. And one of my friends who used to work at Sony got a job at Sterling Sound. And she uh, called me up one day and said, hey, do you want to work for Tom Coyne and be his assistant? And I knew it was a step back uh, in terms of uh, what I was doing at the time because I wasn't assisting. Uh, but I also knew it would be an opportunity to, to really play in, in the big time. And uh, so I said, yeah. And uh, that's how I got my job at Sterling. Well, that kind of brings me to how I met you. I mean, I don't know if you remember this. This was actually 10 years ago. 10 mm -hmm. years ago this, this year. Of course well, I remember. 10 years, of course it would be 10 years ago this year. This is what <laughs> happens when either you don't have coffee or you're sick or both. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my, my first solo release, uh, back then I, I released under uh, the name Euphoria's Depression. And under mm. some good advice from a producer I worked with, I, I dropped that moniker for my name down the road. But um, yeah, you you uh, mastered that uh, acoustic EP of mine, the Overture, way yeah. back in the day, and you were very kind about it. Because I mean, who was I? You know what I mean. And uh, you were very very nice about it, and you helped it sound listenable. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward down the road, Thank actually, you. this is something I've told Ross. Uh, one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is I uh, I'm not sure if you remember the time I made it out to New York. And um, mm -hmm. you actually you, you invited me to come to Sterling, and you sat down with me. I'm t it must have been like one or two hours, just straight. And you just gave me advice, advice, advice. You didn't have to, you know. You're a busy guy, and uh, I I, can't, I think this might have been. It wasn't ten years. It was probably seven, six, five, five or six years ago, or something like that. Anyways, that, that meant a lot to me, and it still does. And uh, you didn't have to do that. And uh, so, thank you. If I never thanked you for that. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I hope the advice was uh, not completely half-assed. <laughs> no, no, it was it was meaningful and it still sticks in my head. Basically, the the the, the main thing I got from that, which I want to say here because it's so important for our listeners and everything, you said fuck everything else, fuck caring about a record deal, fuck just anything. I say fuck a lot. You did, and that's why. <laughs> and basically, what it came down to is care about your fans, give them what they want. That's it. And you know what? Because I, I was going down a, I'm not going to say I was going down the wrong path, but my my mind was more in like, oh, I got to get this, I got to get these people. Got to get a deal. Yeah, and and <clears throat> I think that's what I came to you asking about. And you know what? You gave me the best advice, and and I followed that, and it worked out. You know, just just 
focus on those who actually care about the music and not that take care of your fans man that's, that's it, it. Man. that's it but you know <laughs> uh, talking about mastering though and and uh, how you mastered my ep um I'd, I'd like to know or i'd like i'd like I'd, I'd like to ask you to tell people what mastering engineering is because a lot of people don't know this you know i didn't know this and and luckily i found out and i found you uh because it can make or break really it's not gonna make or break it's so important for the it's, it's like you don't put out a, a, a proper film without color correcting it you know you don't yeah or <laughs> I, I feel like hey, well, the, like I, my my wife is a film di- director okay there and, we go uh, there we go i like to i like to tell her that uh Film is ninety eight percent sound. Uh, so <laughs> how does she react she gets, to that? <laughs> uh, she she's used to hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, can you tell us? Uh, can you explain a little bit about what a mastering engineer does and what a musician or producer should be looking for when hiring an engineer? Absolutely, uh, I think it's like everything else. It's changed over the years. There's there are there's types of mastering now there if depending on the type of music you're working on and what the target audience and and format is but in some ways and on some gigs you are a hype master the idea is to make uh whatever track you're working on as exciting and big and loud and and three-dimensional as humanly possible and there are other gigs where your job is to take something that's already beautiful and perfect, like an incredible pop mix or, or something that's just is what it is and is Paris. perfect. And uh, yeah, Pat was incredible. That guy is amazing. Um, and, you know, you kind of shepherd it through without doing any harm, kind of like a Hippocratic Oath. But essentially, technically what it is, uh, is the final creative step before manufacturing or in the modern era before delivery. And uh, so you, you essentially, um, you're essentially kind of the arbiter of the final overall tone and dynamic of whatever project you're working on is. And, and that might mean making it louder or not making it louder, uh, making it brighter. You know, I, I like to tell my clients that I've, I've got bass, mids, and highs. It's a little more sophisticated than that, but that's essentially it. I'm a human loudness button. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we take it there as far as we can go and, and ensure that it still sounds good. And we're, the, we're also kind of like uh, to, to our repeat clients and people that rely on us, that trusted last set of ears that it passes through before going out into the world you know something i've always been interested in do you do you master based on each song or do you master based on the album as a whole or both yeah both absolutely both there's there are circumstances where you would want like for instance a single uh that isn't actually intended to be played with an album at the time you have a little bit more freedom in how exciting or or how much manipulation you can do and still be in good taste and uh <clears throat> because you can just push the song as far as the song can go um whereas with the technique with uh, doing a song kind of in its normal circumstances if it's on a record is a little bit different you're also considering not only all of the songs 
and the overall tone of the of the project, but also the song that comes after it. Uh, so the transition into the next track will be rather smooth. And the reason why that is important to a degree is that the way I think of it is kind of like uh, fiction writing. Music is intended if you're you're if an artist creates a, a an entire world by making an album, you. One of the things they're, <clears throat> excuse me, usually trying to achieve is keeping <clears throat> that the listener in that world, and <clears throat> the way you do that is through consistency, because you don't want to break the illusion, and <clears throat> it's kind of like nothing jarring when you can help it. I mean, there are t- there are exceptions to every rule. But when you can help it, you stay away from jarring transitions. Uh, for instance, the reason why that's important is uh, what you don't want is someone listening to your music lost in the moment and saying, oh, that's really loud. And then having to turn it down because they've now kind of no longer suspended their disbelief, so to speak. And uh, they're out of your world and into their own. And you want to avoid stuff like that, even if... Uh, one song has the potential to be incredibly loud. Another song, because of its dynamic or its tone, can't get that loud. You have to find a way to kind of make that transition as smooth as possible. You, you can't shoehorn it, horn it in, but you can affect it. Yeah, there, there are another, a couple of other mastering engineers I've spoken to before say they just look at each song as each song. But, you know, um, what you're saying makes a lot more sense to me. Because, like, you look at each song as each song, but it's like, it's the overall... It's the overall vibe. Again, it goes back I'm, to film, color correcting so that this scene matches this scene. So the, you know, you might have shot on 10 different cameras, but it needs to look like it's cohesive. <laughs> yes, I understand their attitude in principle, because if, you know, taking a very modern approach, a lot of people play songs in playlists or, you know, right. uh, uh, with other and they mix stuff up themselves and things like that. But I, I'm kind of old school. I feel like the artist struggles to make not just hits, but uh, an entire artistic statement and world. And I, I'm trying to <clears throat> to both make it sound as great on a variety of formats as I can, but also make it a, th- a thing in itself, the album in itself. So to encourage people to keep listening and every little technique you can use to get people to continue to listen means that they're deeper and deeper into that world of the album and that's very satisfying to me and i guess that's because that's how i grew up listening to records yeah i'm loving what you're saying because i'm just 100 percent with you and it's i I still even as an artist myself i still like to make albums you know even though people say people don't consume albums but there are people who consume albums even if that's a smaller percentage i want to make albums for those people because the other people will simply like the singles that's fine it's about albums i still buy albums. i agree I still buy albums, and, and also, you know, I don't know, uh, people, some people say the album's dead, and yes, it is kind of a single culture and all that stuff, but I don't care. I mean, my, I, I like to say that, you know, and th- this is true in a lot of regards, but 90% of what I do is for 10% of the people. And, you know, I- I'm concerned with the artist first, and the audience second, because the artist is concerned with the audience, and I'm concerned with the artist. That's how it should work. And uh, I, so I'm trying to help them realize their vision 
in the best way possible. And I like albums. I like that kind of thing. I like artistic statements that are 10 and 12 and 15 songs long. And, and uh, so I don't care that it's a single culture. I make great, loud, exciting sounding singles when I have to. And, and, but I like albums. I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'm just saying 90% for 10% of the people. I'm stealing that. I'm still, that, that, that matters to those people, not, those of us who do It doesn't those have a TM after it. So. <laughs> stolen. <laughs> Chris, are you ready for 20 questions? I, I wish I had a, I wish I had a buzzer or something. <laughs> this is going to be one of the fastest ones. I know it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm ready. Should for I start? Ross? Here we go. Here we go. Go for it. Maybe Chris. I should brew a cup of coffee. Yeah, go. <laughs> well, the first question is coffee or tea? Oh, come on, man. Coffee. You know the answer. Always meat or coffee. Veggies? Actually meat, believe it or not. Although I love veggies. Uh, can I have both? Isn't this America? No. <laughs> in Canada? Well, in, in Scotland? Scotland. <laughs> Twitter or Facebook? Uh, Facebook, and I hate to admit it. I don't get Twitter. Talent or attitude? Attitude, 100%. I knew you'd pick Talent me. is cheap. Talent <laughs> is everywhere. I can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody <laughs> with ridiculous amounts of talent in this, in this city, in New York, in Austin everywhere but you know without the right attitude you're just a jerk on the street corner 100 percent. cd or vinyl music every way <laughs> every way stream it stream it buy it on wax man I, I i just bought a lathe i'm i'm totally in love with vinyl but i love music and I, I, if it if it comes on a cd i'm gonna listen to it Education or experience? Experience. I, I have to go with experience because that's how I learned. That's how I learned my craft. I mean, I'm a high school dropout. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to recording school. I didn't do anything. Much to my parents' chagrin. <laughs> Mixing or mastering? Mixing is much more important. Um, it's much more creative. I've done quite a bit myself, and I'm in awe of great mixers. Um, I'm totally dubious of mastering engineers in general, but uh, the mixers, they're great. Analog or digital? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Indie or major? Indie. Although I love my majors, thank you for the POs. Uh, and the big hits, you know, like, yeah, right. right. <laughs> I mean, you know, not a lot of indies are crushing Spotify records and being number one for two and a half months. Uh, you know, you, you, there's pros and cons, but generally indie Mac or PC. Okay. <laughs> PC. I mean, I'm a new convert after 10 years of using a PC. I'm getting so sick of max um <laughs> having said that i have three of them there might be five of them in the house and uh even my pc is a mac so i think i'm probably a little confused <laughs> <laughs> canada or scotland scotland are you kidding although i will wow. say this i will <laughs> say this <laughs> sorry marco it's you're okay. welcome here anytime um it, it canada's pretty cool too 
And also, we're going to invade as soon as we run out of wood. Because <laughs> there's like six people there, so, you know, <laughs> seven including Mars. Yeah, Marcia, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Style or substance? Come on, man, look at me. Substance. And I was going to say it. you're all about the style. But, That's what I know. thought. I have... These glasses are. I was nice. just going to say, I like the. Though. I was just going to say that. Yeah, thank you. And they we feature got, in your logo as well, so you know That's you've got right. that branding thing down. <laughs> it's right. I do. I that was See? really accidental, but I like it. You're right. The Beatles or the Rolling Stones, basically Jesus or Satan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> That's so tough, man. Because both listening to both groups makes me incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. But I think the Beatles probably smell better. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I, I would I feel like say they smell probably. like incense. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Beatles smelled a lot better, especially now. Well, the remaining Batman? Beatles. Yeah, the remaining. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna say? Yeah. I mean, so, no, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. I'm sure that Keith probably smells as bad as uh, most of the dead Beatles, but uh, <laughs> in general. <laughs> Batman or Superman? Batman. And which one smells better? <laughs> the Dark Knight. <laughs> Super- Superman smells like spandex. <laughs> Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? It's a difficult one. <laughs> oh, what are you doing to me? Come on, that's such a softball. I mean, hey, who doesn't love Michael Jackson? Bob Dylan or Bob Marley? Okay, Marley, gut reaction. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Can I have Marilyn Manson murdering Celine Dion? <laughs> that's good. I usually say Celine Dion dresses Marilyn Manson if someone can't choose. Well, that's kinky. That that's a bit. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit very further kinky. down. <laughs> not 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 really murdering her. I mean, just a little. <laughs> a little. Whale or kale? Whale or kale? Yeah, We're just sure. in rhyming territory here. Don't, oh, don't, Jesus. Really don't think too much, too much of these oh, <laughs> Whales, but I wouldn't want to eat them. Bette Midler or the Riddler? Again with the rhyming. I, li- I like Bette Midler. I used to listen to that album that she used to do, uh, that she did back in the day. And here's the final question. I, I, did I say that right? Question? I said the question. I, I said question. I don't I, really I, know I, what I, I speak Canadian. I know what a question <laughs> is. <laughs> So we're going to ask you to pick now between Ross or Marcio. Well, Marcio, oh. but I love your accent, dude. Oh. I love your accent. Come on, we got a history, Marcio. You do. Right. You guys have got don't history. Finally. Don't take it personally. I dig your hair. No, I, I don't. hope he takes I... it personally because he usually wins. <laughs> <laughs> he usually wins and Every... he's all like chill about it. He's like, oh, but no, you know, don't worry, Marcio, Marcio. Maybe the tides are changing. Yeah, don't maybe. take it personally, Marcio, because that's it, the best accent on earth. It's only because I've got a cold, I swear. Scottish is the... No, Canadian accents suck. The Scottish accent is the best I don't sound that much different than you, do I? Onward. No, that's why it sucks. It's totally boring. (laughs) That's because I'm in Southern Ontario. I'm like, what, eight hours? how funny it is when somebody says, a boot. I've never but. heard someone say boot. You know what, though? I've got to you, you do sometimes. Stereotypically, no, I don't say a boot. I've never said a boot. What's people about? out east talk like that. Like, I've been out east. I've toured out east. But, like, I'm in, like, the most Americanized part of Canada. You guys like, sound like, that's what I'm saying. You guys sound yeah. like us. The yeah. Scottish accent it's not fun, is right? totally exotic. 
Now we are we are pretty much at the end here, but I do want to jump. I just want to ask you one really quick thing, and Ross is going to kill me because we're we're way over time. But that's okay. Oh, sure. um, what are what's just one thing that a musician or producer can do uh, to prepare their work for a mastering engineer that would just make your life that you wish that every client did? Like, what's the ideal client? Oh, it's really simple. Don't distort it. Don't don't mix it so loud. Don't capture the mix so loud that it has no dynamic range and dist- and it's distorted. Almost every other thing can be compensated for. I mean, it's nice when it's a decent balance. Um, that That's an advantage. But the number one thing that mastering engineers really can't do anything about is like you can't, uh, I like to say you can't unbake a cake. Ah, so yes. it, it just not over driven unless that's what you want is there like a, uh, a certain like uh headroom that you'd want like you ask people to give you like no, no there really isn't no. i mean actually if you eat up all the headroom and it's a totally clean mix and it sounds great i don't care because okay. i'm not going to make it much louder you know it's just if you the thing is if you have a very dynamic and and uh and the tones all over the place kind of mix and you need a lot more work then sometimes having a little extra headroom is a real advantage if your mix is perfect you don't really need it because you don't have to be the one making things loud these days right as perfect. a mastering engineer chris uh we know you like facebook the best even though you don't want to admit it so is that the is that the place people can find you on online i do like facebook best yes that's i'm an old man i i, I <laughs> twitter i can't i just can't get my head around twitter who, who cares uh, but you know, uh, yeah, I like Facebook. Can they just search uh, I, Chris Athens on Facebook and find yeah. you? And cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm awesome. also on Twitter, too, so if they want to be ignored by me, <laughs> they, they can also search. <laughs> you can find us, as in our show, on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, and YouTube. Just search Bridge the Atlantic. Uh, you'll find us. Come say hey. As for me, I'm working on my second solo album, and you can be a part of it at Marcion Novelli. I can't say my own name. Marcionnovelli.com slash pledge. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify, which are all my name, Marcio Novelli. I can say my name today. Just, you're just getting there. Uh, and I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment. You can check out my work at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi and on Facebook, Electric Kiwi Design. This episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton, the Rockstar Advocate, Buck Naked Soap Company, 30 Roses, and Social Surge. All links are in the show notes, so please check them out because they do keep this show alive. And if you want to be awesome like them, uh, you can sponsor the show for as little as a dollar per episode at patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. Chris, you are a great dude. You really are. Thanks so much for, for chatting with us today. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm, you know I'm going to be calling you up soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.